0: So what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. This show is supported by State Farm.
1: George, every time I hear your voice on the phone, I shudder. Well, I I guess I have asked you to handle some rather out-of-the-ordinary matters for us. George, they have been so wild, crazy, impossible. I sometimes wonder if you ever issue a normal-type policy. Well, it's a very normal-type policy that I'm concerned about now, Johnny. It's the insured himself who has me worried. Okay, tell me all. His name is Joseph, spelled with an F. Joseph Hentler. He's an inventor, among other things. His invention is what we've insured... It's a device, I guess you'd call it, for making some kind of boron based compound. Boron based? The sort of thing the government is vitally interested in for its airplane and rocket fuels. Oh? No kidding. I, uh, I think you'd better run over here and let me tell you about it. Can you? Right away? When you put it that way, George, yeah, I think I'd better. I'm on my way. Expense account submitted by special investigator Johnny Dollar to Floyd's of England, American Office, Hartford, Connecticut. Following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the Boron 112 matter. Expense account item one: $1.10 cab from my apartment at George Reed's office. As I walked in, he motioned me to a chair, leaned over to the intercom on his desk, and pushed a key. Sit down, Johnny. Miss <laughs> Larkin. Yes. Mr. Dollar is here. Would you come in, please? Oh, yes, sir. Well, George, what's it about this time? Glad to see you, Johnny. I gave you most of the story over the phone. Well, you only told me you've issued a policy to this man, uh, Handler, was it? That's right, Joseph Handler. Yeah, and that you've insured some invention of his for, uh, how much did you insure it for? $20,000. It's um, a piece of apparatus, Johnny, that he has spent over seven years developing. Uh, sit down, Miss Larkin. Uh, thank
2: you.
1: Apparently, it's a very complicated something or other. I never did know much about such things. For making borax, or more specifically, a compound he calls boron-112 for use in high-powered fuel. Sounds important. It is, at least so far as I've been able to determine. Yeah, been all sorts of government tests and experiments with these superfuels, hasn't there? Exactly. Many things formerly used purely as explosives. Remember this, Johnny. Many things formerly used as explosives are now being developed as fuels. Well, the perfect example is atomic fission and uh, hydrogen fission, or fusion, or whatever it is. Exactly. All right, now let's get down to cases. You've insured some apparatus that's supposed to make boron-112. What kind of apparatus? I've never seen it. It's all very secret. Well, now, wait a minute. How do you know this machine or whatever it is even exists? Looks to me like you've insured a pig in a poke. No, Johnny. For $20,000. Wow. No, Johnny, I'm not that much of a fool. One man, a recognized physicist, has at my request. And mind you, this was before I'd agreed to issue the policy. Understand? Go on. His name is Dr. Hugo von Brauer. Oh, I've heard of him. Yes. Well, Hantler permitted him to see enough to convince von Brower that he has something mighty important there. That he's on the right track to, well, whatever it is he's out to accomplish. Okay, okay. I'll take your word that you were right in issuing him the policy on it. But now what's happened? the thing blow up in his face or something? No, as I told you over the phone, it's the man himself I'm worried about. Because of something I've just learned. Like what? Miss Larkin, this is Mr. Johnny Dollar. Now, will you please... Yeah,
2: I know. Gee, Mr. Dollar, this is a real thrill. I've heard so much about you. Uh, Hi, Miss Larkin. Gee, won't you just call me Louise?
1: (laughs) Yeah, sure, Louise.
2: (laughs) Oh, gee.
1: Miss Larkin, will you just... Well, just tell Mr. Dollar what you told me this morning.
2: Yes, sir. Oh, gee... Uh, well, it, w- it was like this, Mr. Dollar. A couple of years ago, well, you know, when I was just a kid, not very mature, you know what I mean? Oh, sure. Go on. Uh, well, some of the kids I traveled around with, some of them were awful immature, uh, compared to me, that is.
1: Miss Larkin.
2: Well, a couple of them had some pretty funny ideas about the government, things like that. You know what I mean?
1: I'm afraid I don't.
2: Well, like, they used to think they were very smart attending a lot of secret meetings. The uh, kind the FBI likes to keep tabs on. Now you know what I mean? Go on, Miss Larkin. Well, anyhow, this one night, oh, we didn't take all their talk very serious, mind you, and that's the truth. We didn't think there was anything in it, just a lot of talk. Will
1: you please get to the point?
2: I am, Mr. Reed. Well, anyhow, Charlie and me, uh, that was my boyfriend, Charlie White, at least one of my boyfriends. <laughs> I always have a lot of them, you know what I mean? Yes. well, go on, please. Well, Charlie and me, we said, sure, sure, we'll attend one of your meetings, you know, just for laughs, you know what I mean?
1: And what kind of a meeting was it?
2: Oh, it was terrible. It was awful, Mr. Dollar. A bunch of people I never saw before making speeches. Yeah. Down with the government, start the revolution, you know, that sort of thing. Mm. Oh, we got out of there in a hurry, believe you me. I'm sure. And we were pretty lucky, too, because the police or the FBI or somebody came in after and busted the whole thing up. Maybe you read about
3: it. Uh, That's
1: all very interesting, Louise, but just what? Yes, Miss Larkin, get to the point.
2: All right. Well, just this morning when I was filing the office copy of this insurance policy and I saw the name on it, oh, gee, Mr. Dollar, it hit me like a... T- well, do you know what? What? That name, Joseph Handler. Oh. It was the same as one of the fellas, an older guy that me and Charlie had seen at that meeting. Now, what do you think of that?
1: $20,000 on a highly secret device. here yeah. that might be to produce some kind of explosive. Exactly, instead of a simple fuel additive. Exactly the suspicion that came into my mind, Johnny. Of interest to the government, he had told me. But what government? We're, uh, we're jumping to an awfully big conclusion, George. Have you notified the FBI? I suppose I should, huh? Yeah. No, no, not yet. We, we may be all wrong about Oh,
3: but Mr. Down. We may
1: be all wrong about the man, his apparatus, his intentions, everything. Um... Let me see what I can find out about him first. Uh, Whatever you say, but remember one thing, Johnny. Yeah. You may be dealing with far more than just than just this one man. So be careful. Be very careful.
2: Oh, gee, you'd better, Mister Dollar. You know what I mean?
1: Act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. In a moment. Now, act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, and the Boron One Twelve (laughs) Matter. Larkin, secretary to George Reed at Floyd's of England, was certain she would recognize Joseph Hantler, the inventor who had ensured a secret process for making Boron 112. If, that is, he were the same Joseph Hantler, she'd met at one time at a meeting of a subversive group. Expense account item $250, deposit on a rental car. In it, Louise and I crossed the Connecticut River to East Hartford, went south to Hockenden on Route 2, then south and east on a seldom used gravel road that took us a few miles to the edge of a stream called the Salmon Branch. There in that little grove of trees, we found a windowless concrete block building, the so-called laboratory of Joseph Handler.
2: Gee, those directions Dr. Reed gave us were pretty good, weren't they? Yeah.
1: Handler certainly picked himself an isolated spot. Come on. Hey,
2: boy, this is exciting.
1: Now, just remember what I told you. If this is the man you met at that party line meeting, mm. don't appear to recognize him. Just give me a slight nod to say yes or no.
2: Yeah, but what if he recognizes me? Yeah,
1: uh, we'll cross that bridge. Again. Stop!
3: Stop right where arm Do you not see the signs on the fence? Keep out, keep out! Yeah, Johnny, it's him. You're sure? Yeah, gee. Where did you hear me?
1: I'd like to talk with you, Mr. Handler.
3: It is Dr. Handler.
1: Who are you? My name is Dollar, insurance investigator. And who is this woman? Just a friend of mine.
3: So what do you want with me? Well, I want to see the machine, the apparatus that Floyd's of England has insured for you. No, you may not. I'm engaged in highly secret work here, work that is worthy only of my own great talents as a physicist, chemist, and inventor, work for the government. Yeah? What government? What are you talking about? The, the United States government, of course.
1: Suppose you let me see
3: whatever contract you may have with them. i let you see nothing. I have no contract. Oh. And I do not have any patent on my converter. And why? Because either one would reveal the secret of this amazing device before I can turn it over to the government of this fine and glorious country. Yeah,
1: yeah, sure. So
3: that is also why I will not permit either you or anyone else to see inside of my laboratory. So leave. Immediately. Go! get out of here. Dr. Hantler, if you'll just let us... It... Do you understand me now? Mr. Donner. Oh, hey,
1: now, wait a minute. What's that thing for?
3: You are trespassing on my private property. If I shoot you, I am within my rights. Now leave. Now! Do you hear me? Come on, Louise. Gee, yeah. And do not come back here. Do you hear me? Never!
2: Same man, huh? Oh, he sure is. Gee, that gun he pulled on you. I I was scared, you know what I
1: mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Well,
2: what are you going to do, Mr. Dollar? You
1: know something, Louise? I'm not sure. But I was sure by the time we got back to Hartford. I took Louise back to George Reed's office. George was out to lunch, but I stopped long enough to telephone an old friend of mine, Lee Houck, at the local office of the FBI. Asked him to meet me for a bite to eat.
3: Sure, Johnny. How about the Hearthstone? Anywhere you say. One o'clock? I'll be
1: there.
2: Well. Yeah, I know what I'd do, Johnny. What, Louise? I'd tell the FBI. That's exact.
1: Yeah, well, we'll see.
2: I know what Charlie would do, too. Uh, Charlie? My boyfriend, I told you. Charlie White. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I'd better be on my way. He'd go
2: out there and he'd kill that crazy old man. Well, Johnny, he just hates those people who are conspired to overthrow the government. Hey, look, tell George when he gets back to the Ever office. Ever since we got drugged into that awful meeting of those awful people, why, why, he hasn't even seen those guys that persuaded he and I to go there that night. Louise. He says if he ever does see any of them, oh boy, what he'll do to them.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. Now, look, i got to keep a luncheon date. Tell George Reed when he comes back that I'll see him later, huh?
2: Then I'll see you again, Johnny,
1: huh? Uh, hadn't you better answer that phone?
2: Huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, goodbye, Johnny. Ah, see ya. Floyd's in England. Oh, Charlie!
1: Item three, 7.20, lunch for Lee Haug and myself. No, no, Johnny, you're off on a wrong tack. I'll bet on it. What do you mean by that, Lee? Joseph Handler is just an old crackpot who thinks the world has done him wrong by failing to recognize his fabulous talents as a chemist, physicist, engineer, inventor, anything else he's claimed to be. But if he was attending meetings of a subversive group. A meeting. We know all about that. A lot of innocent people have been sucked in on that sort of thing at one time or another. It doesn't mean that they uh, belong or ever have. You can't blame me for being suspicious, though. Uh, isn't George Reed your contact at Floyd's of England? Yeah. OK. Even his kind of dumb little secretary uh, named Louise Larkin, another girl. Even she was at one of those meetings before we cleaned him out of town. How mm, much gets by you, boys. With uh, one of her boyfriends, uh, Charlie, somebody or other, he's the kind you have to watch out for, Johnny young hothead. An easy recruit for a group like that, huh? Uh, more important, the kind who's liable to take the law into his own hands when it comes to fighting back at him. But you're sure old Hantler is harmless? Sure. He's an erratic old coot, liable to blow your head off. if He thinks you're interfering with one of his crazy projects. <laughs> He'd probably rob a bank if he thought he could get away with it to further one of his crackpot inventions. And would feel entirely justified. But believe me, he'd have no part of subversive activity. Hey, you said crackpot invention. As George Reed tells me, Dr. Hugo von Brouwer okayed this present project. That's a real sad one, isn't it? Huh? Von Brower, One of the best mines in the country. Until that breakdown last fall. You mean that he's no longer... Oh. The that's smoke. <laughs> sure, Johnny. If George sold him insurance on von Brower's okay... Well, how does Handley keep going? Does he ever sell anything he develops? No, he probably lives off an old trust fund, something like that. Want me to check on it? No, wait till after I've seen him again. Somehow I've got to see that machine of his, see how badly the insurance company stands to get took. Yeah, Johnny, I think you better. Maybe he was right. Maybe the idea George Reed and I had cooked up that the old scientist was working on some kind of bomb or explosive was... Anyhow, my problem was to find out exactly what he was working on, what the company had blindly insured. So I drove out there again. To keep Hantler from barging out with his gun, I blew the horn a couple of times as I pulled up alongside the fence. But there was no response to it. Good. Maybe Hantler wasn't there. Maybe I could somehow get into the place, see for myself what was up. But suddenly, from inside the building came a couple of dull thuds. And then the whole thing began to bulge at the scene, began to... Oh! Three of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in a moment. Three of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, and the Boron 112 matter. Carefully, I dragged myself out from under what was left of my rental car, where the explosion of the laboratory building had blown me. Pushing aside a few chunks of concrete, bits and lumber that had landed on me. and I saw them coming down the road toward me from a car parked in the trees at the side... Louise Larkin, a big, husky football player type. Who looked as though he could stand a good bath and a shave. it uh, served him right. That's all I got to say, Louise. Any guy plotting against the United States, murder's too good for him. Oh,
2: gee, Charlie, it sure looks like he's done for now. He must have went up with a building.
1: Yeah, and it served him right.
2: Oh, gee, there's not a thing left of this lap. Oh. Hello,
1: Louise.
2: Mr. dollar.
3: Yeah,
1: that's right. And I take it you're Charlie. Yeah. Hiya, Dollar. What do you think of that? You did a pretty good job, didn't you? What? Yes, sirree, I... uh... Huh? What are you talking about? Was he still inside? Did you murder Dr. Handler, too?
2: Johnny! Now,
1: wait a minute. You think i done that? Oh,
2: no, Johnny. We just got here. Oh, sure. Honest. Charlie was going to have a showdown with him. He was going to drag him out of that place and hand him over to the FBI.
1: Sure, what'd you think?
2: Gee, I was worried about the old man's gun, remember? I
1: remember. But if you think a lousy gun was going to stop me from handing a subversion guy like him over to the... Now, look, you don't mean you think
3: i done this. What would you think? No, 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 I, I did it. Oh, was it not wonderful, Dr. Hamlet? Yes, yes, Mr. Dollar, and I want you to meet... No, so you're
1: still alive, huh?
3: You're okay. I beg your pardon? Well, you won't be for long because I'm going to take oh, you in. I'm going to... Quiet, 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 Mr. Dollar. My good friend, Mr. Dollar. Huh? I, I want you to meet this gentleman from the commission in Washington. Commission? In Washington. Dr. Bernard Steiner. The Dr. Steiner? Yeah, but of course. I've heard, heard of you, me. and now it's nice to meet you, Mr.
1: Dollar. <laughs> this this final test, it was proof. It was final, all right. Yes, it was all the proof I need. We observed the buildup of the explosion from the top of yonder hill. The proof of what? That Dr. Handler has finally come up with a controlled power source in his boron compound of inestimable value to the country's rocket program. If yeah, so... I am a great man at last. Oh,
3: why he calls it Boron 112, I'll never know. Well, because it was experiment number 112 with my wonderful converter process. what else?
1: Hey, uh, if you're from Washington, mister, I... I
3: am, young man, and I assure you the
1: government will take over Dr. Hantler's process immediately. Well, I'll be doggone. I don't get this.
2: Neither do I,
1: honey. What about the converter, as you call it?
3: Did that go up with the building? Uh, Yeah, but of course. And now I can build for the government a big one. Big enough to serve this glorious country of
1: ours. Yeah, sure. But you'll expect the insurance company to pay for the one you deliberately blew up.
3: Me? Dr. Joseph Handler? No, never. I, no, I I am a great man now. I I am above such petty things. I tear up that policy. I do not want have money because now... Now I am a great man. There you are, George. Full report.
1: Payment on the policy is up to you. And if you do pay, at least it's in a good cause. Also, well, I guess you and I have both learned a lesson about jumping to conclusions. Expense account total, including incidentals, replacement of the rental car, and transportation back to Hartford, $2,431. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, originates in Hollywood and is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone, who also wrote today's story. Heard in our cast were Shirley Mitchell, G. Stanley Jones, Parley Bear, Russell Thorson, Frank Gersell and Lou Merrill. Be sure to join us next week, same time and station, for another exciting story of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. This, is-
0: this show is supported by State Farm. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
1: From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Pat McCracken,
4: Johnny, Universal Adjustment Bureau.
1: Hi, Pat. What's on your mind? Ever
4: heard of A, B, and C?
1: Well, yeah, back in the first grade.
4: Oh, look, I'm not talking about the alphabet. I'm talking about an advertising agency. Oh, what about it? Well, the A stands for Appleton. Alfred Appleton, 55 years old. and Eastern Trust has his life insured for $100,000. So? It's annuity. It starts paying off at the age of 65, and we'd like to see him collected. Looks like somebody else has different ideas. What do you mean? He thinks somebody's trying to kill him.
1: I see. You want me to run down to New York and talk to him? Uh,
4: He's up at his weekend place now, about 100 miles up the coast, overlooking the sea at uh, Skeleton Point. You can talk to him there.
1: Skeleton Point. Now, that's a cheerful name.
4: I know. Johnny, Mm. make sure it stays just a name. Bob Bailey.
1: Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Eastern Trust and Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. Following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the 11 o'clock matter. Expense account item one, $8.40, gas and mileage on my car to Skeleton Point through a drenching rainstorm. The Appleton home, perched high on a cliff at the edge of the sea, was an old weather beaten affair, but right now it looked mighty good to me.
4: Yes?
5: Is this Mr. Appleton's house? This is the Gregory house. Oh, I'm sorry. Mr. Appleton only leases this house.
1: I see. Well, is he at home? I believe he's expecting me.
5: You're Mr. Dollar? Yes. I'm Mrs. Gregory, the housekeeper. Come in.
1: Mrs. Gregory had a strong, determined face and dark, metallic, piercing eyes. She took my coat and pointed to a door across the entry hall. I was conscious of her eyes following me as I entered the library to find two men seated in front of an open fire. Johnny Dollar? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm, uh... Al F. Appleton. This is my attorney, Grant Hillman. Well, how are you, Mr. Dolan? Well, uh, a little damp, Mr. Hillman. Oh, yeah, uh, here. Sit down to the fire and dry out. Oh, thanks. Ooh, feels good. And slightly warmer than the welcome the housekeeper gave you, I imagine. Mrs. Gregory? Well, uh, she did seem a little reserved. Hmm. she's a widow. Owns this house. But I love the place, so... You know. Anyway, I'm glad you came. I understand there's been some sort of attempt on your life, Mr. Appleton. Well... Uh, Mr. Appleton has received several, well, crank notes lately. We thought it wise to take what precautions we could. Have you notified the police, Mr. Hillman? No. No, I vetoed the idea, Johnny. Oh, why, Mr. Appleton? I didn't want that kind of publicity right now. My advertising agency's right in the middle of landing a fat new account. Your agency is A, B, and C? That's right. Who are B and C? Uh, C is nobody. Hmm? Tom Baker and I liked the idea of ABC, but we didn't have any other partners, so C just stands for company. Well, This Tom Baker is your only partner, then. He was. There's some question as to whether he still is. I don't follow you. Uh, Al, I don't think there's any need to go into that now. Well, I guess you're right, Grant. Anyway, I don't want to accuse Tom of anything until I've had a chance to go over the books this weekend.
5: Al, did I hear someone at the door a moment?
1: Uh, this is Johnny Dollar, Laura. Mr. Dollar, my wife.
5: Oh, I see. Um, how do you do, Mr. Dollar?
1: Mrs. Appleton? Uh, Dollar, the crank letters Al has been getting up in my room. I'll bring him down. Okay, Mr. Hellman. You'll uh, stay overnight with us, won't you, Johnny?
5: Now, haven't you imposed on Mr. Dollar enough, dear? Perhaps he has business back in the city.
1: Nonsense. And you know that storm out there? Oh, I'll have Mrs. Gregory make a room for him.
5: Well, uh, would you like a drink, Mr. Dollar? No, uh, no thanks. Mrs.
1: Appleton, you seemed rather surprised when you saw me here. Oh, did I? Almost as though you were expecting someone else.
5: Someone else? Why, no, I... I wasn't expecting anyone in particular.
1: Well, perhaps I just... Wait, hold it. What's the matter? That flash of lightning, there's someone outside that window.
5: Oh, no, you you must be wrong.
1: Stay right here. I grabbed my coat and went out into the storm. Because of the prowler, sure but also because of Laura Appleton. Because she'd been staring at that same window, shaking her head quickly as though warning someone. But outside in the downpour, in the mud, I could see no one, no footprints. Finally, I went back inside, to the phone in the entry hall to call the local police. But the phone was dead. Maybe the storm had knocked down the lines. Yeah. Or maybe someone just wanted to make sure we'd have a nice, cozy weekend, undisturbed. And my hunch was... It might be too cozy for comfort. Act 2 of yours truly Johnny Dollar in a moment. And now for another episode in the life of Sergeant Donald
2: Bellwether. My husband.
1: getting sleepy, are you? No, 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 I'm all right. Now, you just close your eyes, honey, and take another nap. We'll be home soon. OK. Will you stay
5: awake now? Yeah,
1: I will.
5: Oh, I still think we should have stopped in the hotel. Maybe then yeah.
1: No. Oh, oh That'll be enough of that. Donald? Huh? Donald, are you awake? Wait- Why? No no, 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 no. nothing, Reba. It's, it's all right. I, oh, I guess I'm getting a little sleepy. It's on, Hurry, right. stop a while. Take a little nap. That's a good idea. So what if we do get home later than we plan? At least we'll arrive in good health. Yeah, you're so right. About 1,800 American drivers lose their lives each year because they fall asleep at the wheel. Well. Mm. Uh, I'm just not going to make it
3: 1,801. Are we you caught far enough off the highway? Oh, yeah, we're way off the road, Eddie. I'll just take a nap for about an hour. I'll be refreshed,
1: and we'll be on our way again, huh? Mm-hmm. All right, dear. And, sir, I'm not going to make it 1,801. And <sighs> uh, you're not going to make it 1,802, either. Oh, that's my Donald. That's my doll. <laughs> And now, act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, and the 11 o'clock matter. Did you uh, see anybody outside, Mr. Dollar? In that rain, Mr. Hillman, I couldn't see 10 feet in front of me. Can you describe the face you saw at the window? Well, it was more of a silhouette. I couldn't even tell if it was a man or a woman. You sure you did see someone, Johnny? Yes, reasonably sure, Mr.
4: Appleton. Come in. Come in.
5: Your
4: partner is here, Mr. Appleton. Tom Baker? Hello, Al. I thought I'd surprise you. I tried to
1: call you earlier, but your phone was out. Well, uh, this is a surprise. I'd like you to meet Johnny Dollar.
5: Dollar, hi.
1: Tom, you're soaking wet. My car hit a big puddle about half a mile down the road and quit on me. I had to walk the rest of the way. Did you just now get here, Mr. Baker? Yes, why? Mr. Dollar thought he saw someone outside the window a few minutes ago. Oh no! I just now got here. Well, I got some extra clothes up in my room that should fit you, Tom. Let's get you changed before you catch cold. Thank you, Elmer. Oh, look, this rain is getting all of us down. Why, why, why don't we live a little? Huh? how about going down to the beach house, building a fire, playing some records, having some drinks, huh? Uh, Yeah, it might be a good idea. Where's the beach house? Uh, Down near the bottom of the cliff with a beach. Uh, It's real nice. But uh, in this weather? Oh, there's a stairway leading down.
5: Yes, why don't we go down there? I'm, I'm getting the creeps just sitting around here like this.
1: So we went down to the beach house. The rain had let up a little, but nobody seemed to feel much like a party. We just sat there in front of the fire, not saying much. Once or twice, I thought I'd detected Laura Appleton and Tom Baker exchanging quick glances. But I couldn't be sure.
5: That's the intercom from the house Al.
1: Oh, yeah, I'll get it. Yes? Oh, yes, Mr. Gregory. You can go on to bed. We won't be needing you anymore tonight. You know, bed sounds like a good idea. Oh, it's almost 11 and I'm beat, so if you'll excuse me. Oh, sure, sure. Well, why don't we all... Al, could we have our talk now? Oh, okay, Tom, if you insist. Laura, why don't you fix us another drink?
5: All right, Al.
1: Uh, How about you, Mr. Dollar? Yeah, I'm with you, Hellman. Let's go on up to the house. Is let up? Yeah. Mr. Hillman, I didn't come with you because I was tired. I wanted to talk to you. And I thought as much. Earlier this evening, Appleton said something about not wanting to accuse Baker of anything until he'd gone over the books this weekend. What did he mean? Well, I'm not really sure, Mr. Dollar. All I know is that Al seems to think he may have found some irregularities in the books of his advertising agency. Oh? Well, if there is anything wrong, I blame myself partially. How so? Well, I manage most of Al's affairs, but the agency's been running so smoothly, at least so I thought, that... Well... I see. that That's going to change as of right now. I didn't come up to go to bed either. I'm going to work on those books. Ought to take me about an hour. Ah, just about 11 now. Will you be up by midnight? Yeah. I'd like to know what you find out. Oh, uh, where's that light switch? I never could remember. Dollar, what is it? There's somebody else in here. Look out! What? Oh. Dollar! Dollar! I guess I was out only a few seconds because the clock was still striking when Hellman brought me to. Dollar, are you all right? Uh, Why? What? What? Yeah, I, I, I guess so. I grabbed at him, whoever he was, but he knocked me loose. By the time I got the lights on, he was gone. Oh. Lucky for you, he only stunned you momentarily. Oh, brother... <laughs> Hillman, did you see where he went? Well, he didn't leave by this front door here, I'm sure of that. Then he must be still in the house. We worked our way through the house room by room. Finally, ten minutes later, we stood by an open window in a back room. Well, here's our answer. He went out this window. Yeah.
5: What is it? What's the matter?
1: What? Oh, Mrs. Gregory. Yeah, Mr. Dollar was attacked by a prowler.
5: A prowler? What? That's terrible.
1: Where's the intercom to the beach house? We'd better tell Mr. Appleton. Uh, right there on the wall. Ah. Oh. This button here? Yes. No answer. Come on, Helen. Let's get down there. We pounded out of the house and along the path to the edge of the cliff. We found her, Laura, standing at the top of the wooden stairway. One section of the railing was broken away. We looked over the cliff. There was a body lying on the rocks down below. It was Al Appleton. of yours truly Johnny Dollar in a moment. Do you know who said democracy is based upon the conviction that there are extraordinary possibilities in ordinary people? Those words came from the American religious leader Harry Emerson Fosdick. From the earliest days of the United States of America there has been the sentiment that the average person can achieve an important goal if he is given an environment in which he can develop his capabilities to the fullest extent, an environment in which the individual is given the rights and privileges that he needs for development. It is the duty of every American to protect and stimulate this environment. Remember the words of Harry Emerson Fosdick. They are part of your American heritage. The extraordinary possibilities of ordinary people are inherent in American democracy. And now, act three of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, and the 11 o'clock matter. We stood on the stairway at the top of the cliff, looking down at Appleton's body on the rocks below. That is, Hillman and I did. Laura Appleton was in a state of shock, and we couldn't get much sense out of her. We had Mrs. Gregory take her back to the house, then Hillman and I got a flashlight and climbed down the rocks to Appleton's body. Dead, Mr. Dollar. We'd better not move that body until the police get here. Yeah, Let's see. His wristwatch stopped at 10 after 11. It's 11.30 now. Right. And because the clock was just striking 11 when I got hit over the head in the entry hall... Yeah, but then we must have spent 10 or 15 minutes searching the house for that prowler. Meantime, he or somebody else was shoving Appleton over the cliff. Somebody else? There were a couple of people with Appleton down at the beach house. Laura and and Tom Baker. I'd forgotten about Tom. Where is he? Right now, Hellman, that's a very good question. We went back to the house. The phone was working now, so I put in a call to the local sheriff's office. But all the units were out on call. They'd send somebody as soon as they could. I started for Laura Appleton's room. Grant Hillman overtook me in the hall. Dollar, I made a preliminary check of the agency records Appleton brought up here with him this weekend. Did you find a shortage? Yes, possibly as much as $50,000. I see. Thanks, Hillman. Yeah, I'll see you later.
5: Come in. Oh, Mr. Dollar. I, uh, I'm feeling better now.
1: I'm sorry to bother you with questions, Mrs. Appleton, but I'm afraid I have no choice.
5: Yes, I understand.
1: I want you to tell me exactly what happened.
5: Well, I, I'll try. After you and Grant Hillman left the beach house, my husband and Tom Baker and I sat there a few minutes. And then Tom left. I see. Then... A couple of minutes later, somebody from the house called my husband on the intercom, so he left me.
1: What time was that?
5: Oh, uh, A few minutes after 11, I guess. Uh-huh. What happened then? I, uh, I sat there a few minutes longer. Then I... Well, I... I just didn't feel like sitting there alone, so I started up the stairway. When I got to the top, I... I saw that the rail had been broken away. I... I looked over the edge. Okay.
1: Mrs. Appleton, why did Tom Baker come here this evening?
5: Why, I I don't know. I think you do. What?
1: You tried to warn him when I saw his face at the window earlier.
5: His face? And
1: the two of you kept exchanging glances all evening.
5: I know, you're wrong.
1: Listen, Grant Hillman's in a position to know something about your husband's business affairs, isn't he? Well, of
5: course. Why? Your
1: husband suspected a shortage. Hillman confirmed it a few minutes ago after going over the records.
5: Oh, but surely you don't think that Tom Baker. Baker
1: was your husband's partner. Maybe he came up here to try to square things with him. Was that it?
5: No. Oh, all right. Tom did come up here to talk to my husband. What about? I was going to ask for a divorce. To marry Tom Baker? Oh, I... I know it sounds sordid now after what's happened, but it wasn't that way at all. Tom and I wanted everything in the open. We wanted to tell Al. But I... Well, I didn't realize that you and Grant were going to be here this weekend. That's why I tried to signal Tom not to come in. Go on. Down at the beach house, he wanted to talk to Al, but, well, I guess he couldn't bring himself to it. That's why he went for a walk.
1: And you haven't seen him since?
5: No. Oh, Mr. Dollar, I, I know my story doesn't sound very convincing, but but if you're trying to suggest that either Tom or I killed my husband...
1: Yeah? Uh, Dollar, could I see you a minute? Oh, Sure. I'll talk with you later, Mrs. Appleton. What is it, Hellman? Tom Baker just walked in. Baker? Yes, I thought you'd want to talk to him. I sure do. Well, look, Mrs. Appleton claims somebody called her husband at the beach house on the intercom a few minutes after 11. If so, that's what lured him up to the top of the stairway. A few minutes after 11? Well, that's when you and I were searching the house. We ended up at the intercom last, though. Somebody could have had time to make that call. Now, now wait a minute. Mrs. Gregory was near that room when we got to her. Yeah, I know. Why don't you question her, Hillman, while I see what I can get out of Baker? For the fifth time, Dollar, I didn't have anything to do with it. I went for a walk on the beach. I didn't even know Appleton was dead until Grant Hillman told me a few minutes ago. I'm telling you the truth. Yeah, well, I'm afraid we'll have to let the police decide that, Baker
4: station, Maloney. Hello,
1: Johnny Dollar at the Ampleton place. I'm still waiting for one of your units. Oh, yeah,
4: I was sorry, Mr. Dollar. We've had a lot of calls on the call of the storm. Well, you're not the man I talked to when I called before. No, no, that was Harris. He went off duty at one. He left me a message about your call, and we'll have somebody up there within 15 minutes.
1: Okay, thanks. That's funny. Well, uh, Mrs. Gregory denies making that call on the intercom, Dollar. Huh? Oh, uh, yeah, okay. Well, What's the matter? Uh, something that sergeant said over the phone. Hey, wait a minute. What time have you got? Why, ten minutes of one? Yeah? That's what my watch says, too. But according to the sergeant, it was after one. I checked the big clock in the entry hall and the one in the living room. They both agreed with my watch, ten minutes of one. I slipped outside, unlocked my car door, and looked at the clock on the dashboard. It read 10 after 1. When I felt a gun in my back, I realized I'd come up with the answer a little too late. It's a pity, Dollar. I thought I had a foolproof idea. But I hadn't figured on your locking the car. So it was you who hit me over the head when the clock was striking 11. Who called Appleton at the beach house, lured him up the stairway and shoved him over. Then came back and reset my watch and the clock so I'd hear it still chiming 11 when you brought me to. I thought I'd only been out a few seconds. Actually, it was 15 minutes. Yes, but you're the only one who knows. Now get in the car. We're leaving. I started to get in, then kicked at the car door behind me. It swung and knocked Hillman off balance. Before he could recover, I nailed him. By the time he came to, the sheriff's patrol had arrived. And Hillman, you know, he wasn't one bit happy to see them. (laughs) Expense account item two, $13 even. Transportation back home. Total expenses, $21.40. And a real bargain, if I do say so myself. Remarks? Hillman's motive was money, of course. It was he who'd taken the $50,000 from Appleton's agency. Yours truly, Johnny
5: Dollar.